0: pretty interesting. Uh, the COVID deaths in the USA. So for all of 2020, Donald Trump, there were 343 people die of COVID in the USA. 385,343. So far this year, with a month to go, 389,329 have died. More people this year than when Trump was in office so listen to joe biden the candidate when he said this on september 9th 2020 now while this deadly disease ripped through our nation he failed to do his job on purpose it was a life and death betrayal of the american people experts say that if he had acted just just one week sooner thirty-six thousand people would have been saved if he acted two weeks sooner Back in March, 54,000 lives would have been spared in March and April alone. Okay, so we all expect propaganda on a campaign trail. And um, this fact that there were more deaths under Biden's first year than in Trump's last year is pretty startling. So you think the uh, White House press corps might ask about it now? No. So uh, my crack staff and they are uh, the best in the business, I think. Uh, We went through two weeks of transcripts from the White House Press Corps uh, asking um, the press secretary. Biden doesn't give press conferences, as you know, Jen Psaki, about COVID deaths. No, not once. No, no crime questions either. Not one. So what you have here is a zombie White House press corps that doesn't care to ask anything That might upset or make President Biden look bad. That is the state of affairs in America right now. Okay, so you know about the select committee in the House investigating the January 6th intrusion uh, in the state, in the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. So they want all Trump's records. And Trump says no. They're in the National Archives. We're not handing them over. And now it's in court. So the federal court has to rule whether the House Select Committee overrides executive privilege and gets these documents. I'm going to predict that the Court of Appeals um, will say no. But it's possible that they say yes, and that'll be overturned by the Supreme Court. So the DC Circuit Court of Appeals to liberal court. But even a liberal court has no. That all presidents have executive privilege and that a House committee looking to embarrass a president, all right, doesn't have the right to demand privileged documents. Doesn't have it. Now, should President Trump hand over the documents himself voluntarily? No. Because this isn't some kind of independent investigative body. This is a blatantly partisan. We want to damage Donald Trump so he doesn't run for president again. So no matter what you hand over, they'll cherry pick and make Lee look bad. Everybody knows that. So while I would love to know, uh, and I think I do know, but I'm not 100 percent, what Donald Trump did on that day from moment to moment to moment to moment, I would really like to know that Um, based upon my reporting, but I I can't report it as fact because it's anonymous sources. People in the White House, they said, look, O'Reilly will tell you what happened, but we don't want you to tell our name. And so, yeah, I'll take the background, but I'm not going to report it because I can't confirm it. And there's no name on it. That's called journalism. But anyway, from what I understand, it was chaos. Absolute chaos in the White House when this thing started. They didn't know what to do. They were watching television like everybody else, okay? And they were trying to figure out a strategy because the president and everybody else knew most of the people breaking into the Capitol were Trump supporters. So eventually he told everybody to stop and go home, but was it quick enough? What was the debate? All of that. I can't, and I've no preconceived uh, uh, evidence that the White House knew this was going to happen or encouraged it at any level. So just as Joe Biden, you just heard him accuse Donald Trump of actually killing people because of incompetence, which is a total lie. And Biden's far more incompetent than Donald Trump ever was on COVID and everything else. This claim that somehow President Trump encouraged this, I can't find a shred of evidence to back that up. Maybe, maybe there is, but I can't find it, and I looked. My reputation's on the line because I'm gonna be doing four shows with Donald Trump, the history tour. I can't be in a tank. I gotta find out what happened as best I can. All right. New Trafalgar group poll. This is a pretty accurate poll. 39 Democrat, 36 Republican, 25 nonpartisan. Question is, to what extent do you believe President Biden is responsible for the divisions in the American people? Responsible 54, not responsible 46. OK. By party, Democrats, responsible 21, not responsible 79. Well, 21 percent of Democrats they say Biden's responsible for this deep division. Republicans, 88% responsible, 13 not responsible. Nonpartisan, these are the independent people, 64% responsible, 36% not responsible. So Biden's responsible. I mean, come on. On his first day in office, first hours, he was inside the White House. Biden stopped the wall closed down the pipeline, stopped a lot of fracking, and stopped a lot of drilling. First day, first hour. Okay, you didn't think that was going to cause a problem with some Americans? (laughs) And then subsequently, we've seen what happened. But he's responsible. Now, I get a lot of mail that says, look, is it over or will Americans come together ever again? The only thing that would put Americans side by side is an attack on us by a foreign nation or a terror group. Other than that, maybe an assassination of a president. Maybe. Um, But the culture divide is so enormous in this country. The bitterness in families and among friends and workplaces bitterness because it all comes back to people believe what they want to believe and there are a lot of americans perhaps most that don't know the facts that don't seek the truth and they just spout what they're what they hear or whatever and it's of course a board but when intelligent people people who do care about fact-based analysis and news reportage, when they hear this gibberish, how do you think they react? I mean, when I hear somebody say something like that, I just look. I always have the same, I don't pounce, okay? I look them in the eye and I say, where did you hear that? Where did you get that? Oh, or, or on the internet, or, or, you know, or I heard it on Rachel Maddow or something like that. And then I go do you believe what you hear and then they they're like flummoxed all right they they really don't know but that's all i do i don't try to correct them i don't try to steer them on the right course but i got to tell you 10 years ago when i was doing a factor i didn't get annoyed by this i didn't i didn't get annoyed by juan williams or the other lefties and i had one or two on every night uh, Mark Lamont Hill. I, I didn't get annoyed by them. I mean, I out-debated them, I think, clearly. But did it tee me off? No. Now it does. Because there's so much at stake now. And the these radical leftists, these progressives, they want to change the country in a way that's so harmful that it gets me annoyed now. Where it didn't used to. Okay. Here's a good example. So Newton North High School in Massachusetts is a school for rich kids. Newton, Massachusetts, very affluent suburb of Boston. And in that school, there's a principal, Henry Turner. Okay, there is Henry. He's a big lefty, always has been a lefty. Everybody knows he's a lefty. And that's fine. You can hold liberal points of view and be a high school principal. So after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, um, Principal Turner says we're going to have a segregated space for staff and students of color to process the jury verdict. That means if you are a student at Newton North High School, you can't go to a certain part of the building. That's off limits to you unless you're black. Okay, now. You say, isn't that a violation of civil rights? No, it's not the way the civil rights laws are written, but it is in spirit. So Henry Turner dividing the school based upon what? A jury verdict that was legitimate? That's what you should be teaching the students at Newton North High, that the jury system works. The evidence Always, not always, but should always be the determining factor. Not Henry. Now, we also got a report that the University of Michigan's medical school was doing the same thing. Okay, and and basically saying, and by the way, Henry told his students if Kyle Rittenhouse had been black, he would have been convicted. Outrageous, outrageous that someone won't even say something like, because it creates racial strife. The principal of the school is stoking racial strife among the students and faculty. So we we looked into this University of Michigan Medical School. I can't confirm it. And that separates me from everybody else because everybody else would have used it along the same lines, but I'm not going to do it. Now, this kind of... Hateful stuff is on display almost every day on Disney. ABC. Roll it.
1: Sunday, if he were black, would he be
2: free now? No, oh. he
0: wouldn't be alive now. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, look, I don't, I don't, I, I disagree that it was a, a, cut and, a cut and dried case of self defense.
0: Now, that woman's a moron, okay? I mean, she, she's just dumb. I don't care what color she is. she's just dumb. So she doesn't agree with the verdict. Was she in the courtroom? No. Okay. Did she discuss it with the other jurors? No. And she says that if Kyle Rittenhouse had been black, it would be dead. Just think of a step back. Step back. Okay. And think about that statement. Disney pays this woman millions of dollars to spew this kind of hatred. Disney. It's just staggering. When you really break it down to its essential level. It's what it is. Now I'm not a big podcast guy. Uh, I'm way too busy for that. And I don't consider this broadcast a podcast. This is a news broadcast. The No Spin News. Podcasts are mostly audio. But they are sweeping the world. It's estimated 100 million people listen to podcasts on a regular basis. And the most popular podcasts are crime podcasts like Serial and My Favorite Murder. So people go in and and they discuss or listen to or whatever all of these um, criminal situations. And then you have books. So my book, Killing the Mob, one of the best selling books of 2020 and 21. Okay. This book is sold hundreds of thousands of copies, Killing the Mob. And now there's another book. And I'm sure the two authors would like to sell hundreds of thousands of copies and maybe they will. Call woke up this morning. The definitive oral history of The Sopranos, by Steve Sharipa and Michael Imperioli, who starred in that program and who do a podcast about The Sopranos. Mr. Sharipa joins us now from New York City.
2: Hey, so, Bill, how
0: are you, pal? what was that? How are you? I'm the same, which is tragic for everybody. OK, so there's been no improvement here from the last time you were on.
1: Gotcha.
0: What is it about criminals that fascinates the American public?
1: You know, I, I you know, this has been going back since the beginning of movies. Mob movies, you know, uh, just like Westerns. You know, mob movies are kind of like even the modern day Westerns. People are fascinated with this life, which is a horrible life, Bill. You know, I grew up around this in Bensonhurst in the 60s and 70s. These are bad people that do bad things, not just to each other. Let's not, you know, people mistaken that, oh, they just hurt each other. No, they don't. They hurt a lot of innocent people. But yet, for whatever reason, we continue to like them, dress like them. There's a lot of wannabes, the cigars, conventions, nonsense. I, I, I can't put my figure on it. I used to watch uh, ID Discovery. I did a couple of shows for them uh, about murders and then it just got too much for me and it was like, if I want to see murders and hor- horrific things, I'll just put on the news. That's all you need. I don't need to watch that for recreation. So
0: I I don't quite know. Okay. So I watch you on Blue Bloods as the detective, the good guy who wants to protect people. And then I contrast you to Bobby Bacala. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Yes. In The Sopranos. And in The Sopranos, you're not a hardcore bad guy. You got the trains going on. Chase is smart enough to humanize everybody in that cast. And that's part of your book that you and Imperioli give you the inside stuff on how all the scenes went down. But Chase, the creator, um, smart enough to humanize you and the other bad guys. Coppola did it in The Godfather. I mean, you don't get more evil than Michael Corleone. He's just a quintessential evil SOB. Yet, in the beginning, he was a good guy. So I think it's this dichotomy between good and evil. But getting back to you, you, I'm sure, get still more reaction to Sopranos than Blue Bloods, and Blue Bloods a big hit. Yeah. 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 But it's kind of evened
1: out quite a bit. I mean, Blue Bloods is a terrific show and people love it. They love the family dinner. They love the prayer. They love that they don't kowtow to what's going on in the world now. You know, they don't. And people find it refreshing. We're in our 12th season and I think it's great. And I tell you what, personally, I'd much rather have cops and retired cops come up to me and say, "Hey, I like what you're doing," as opposed to some wise, fat wise guy downtown, you know. saying, Oh yeah, man, I, I used yeah, to can, kill guys. Can I buy
0: you a steak? Could I buy you a beer? <laughs> that's not well, how you
1: do it. A guy, yeah. a guy, stopped me in the street. You know, you know, I love the show. Last night, the, uh, the, you don't know, why I why, You know, that's not the way you whack people. I went, okay, I gotta get going. <laughs> You know, I like really you don't, don't really to want that.
0: to know how you whack people. Um, it's, it's a fascinating thing, though, and particularly to Sopranos. So my son, 18 years old, he didn't watch the original Soprano band. I did. Um, but now he loves watching it. And I asked him, very intelligent kid. I said, look, because he doesn't watch any TV. Kids don't watch TV anymore. They're too busy texting about their new sneakers. But he watches, you know, the the whole And I, I said, what is it? Why are you watching The Sopranos? What are you getting out of it? And you know what he says? He says, it's different from my life. It's like people are transported into a different life that they would never ever do. Although I think, you know, some disturbed people do pick up stuff, but it's almost like a car accident. It's almost like, whoa. Does that really happen? And I think that's why they're so fascinated with the Sopranos, which was so well done.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a very smart show, and you said your son is smart, and a lot of these kids are smart, and it holds up, Bill, every bit as if it was written yesterday. Besides the obvious the cars, the computers, the phones, it's a very, very intelligent show, funny show, and so it's a a whole new generation.
0: It's a whole new generation. Listen. You can do this until you're 98, because that thing'll loop, <laughs> and, and 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 people. It's like The Godfather. How many times have you seen it? I'm just yeah. on over Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm I'm going like, and there there's uh, Vito Corleone, and I stop, even though it's I see it. Everybody, right? Everybody. That's one of those shows, one of those movies.
1: You see it, you got to watch it.
0: Okay. You so know? in our,
1: in our meeting
0: today, as we were discussing your appearance in the Rundown. So one of my staff members said, hey. You got to ask them about Tony Soprano and the ending. And I'm go, why? They just went to the diner, you heard the Journey song, and then they faded to black and everybody got mad. So what was your reaction to that ending? And is there any update on that?
1: Okay, so we watched it together, nine of us. We're down at the Hard Rock, you know, nine of the cast, uh, the main cast. We watched it, we knew what was going to happen, and it was still stunning to us. Some people liked it. Some people didn't know what went on. Michael Imperioli loved it. Okay. I listened to all these people, conspiracy theories. There was different endings, all lies, all lies, all lies, all lies. So matter of fact, December 20th, David Chase comes on the finale of the podcast. The podcast is ending. We asked him flat out. He did not give us an answer. It's up to you. It's ambiguous. I think Tony Soprano is alive and well and living in New Jersey. Some people are adamant that he died. Uh, there is no answer. It's like a book. You close well, I a heard, book. I you know, heard no, that... You, you close I, a book, and yeah. it's what you thought of the book, you know?
0: Well, in Killing the Mob, we get everybody whacked. Every All the bad guys are out. But I, I heard know. that uh, Tony Soprano is uh, Chris Christie's caterer. Did you hear that? It's very...
1: (laughs) It's as good an
0: ending as anybody, right? And Carmella (laughs) is in the business too. All right, the book is Woke Up This Morning, The Definitive Oral History of the Sopranos. Obviously, if you know a Sopranos fan, makes a tremendous Christmas gift. Steve Schirip is a good guy. I've known him for many years. Uh, We commiserate at the New York Knicks game sometimes. And uh, excellent actor, Steve. I mean... How you can play the gangster and the good detective as effectively as you do, that just proves it all. So have I a good holiday, it, season. Man. Thanks for helping us out. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you, man. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code Bill at checkout. So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com, use promo code Bill at checkout. In my opinion, based on the facts that I'm seeing, there is a new subculture in America, younger maybe age 12, 13 to 26, that zone of people, mostly males who are sociopaths. That means they have no human feeling. They can hurt you and then go over and have a Big Mac. They don't care about hurting other people. They don't care about the law. They don't care about school, education, their country, their parents. They don't care about anything but themselves. They're sociopaths. That's why you're seeing these horrendous violent crimes all over the inner cities of America. Because this crew, and they number millions now, it's like a contagion. It used to be a sociopathic person was isolated and scorned. Now that's not true. There are excuses made. Starts in the public school system when a disruptive student, is allowed to disrupt all the way through, handed a diploma that he or she didn't earn, and goes out, can't make a living because they could probably not read or write, and then enters the gang system and a life of crime. But these people are particularly vicious. So you all know I wrote Killing the Mob. And you don't get more vicious than the people I was talking about in that book. But it was a totally different mindset. They were criminals based upon an organization that was solely driven for money this new subculture is driven by violence 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 was bad for the mob's business these people love violence they love it and they have guns and they will kill you so i asked my staff to find a uh, Somebody who works in this area, and uh, we have Dr. Lisa Palmer coming to us from West Palm Beach, Florida. She's a psychotherapist, and she's the founder of the Renew Center of Florida, which deals with a lot of extreme personality disorders. So first of all, doctor, my subculture theory, it's what it is, but I believe it's true, do you subscribe?
2: well I know a heck of a lot about sociopaths unfortunately so you've come to the right place bill Um, (laughs) it is uh, definitely rampant in our culture now um, due to the the narcissism and a lot of entitlement you hear a lot of parents complaining about that but I owe a lot of it to to media to social media and uh, a lot of kids you know trying to live up to standards that they're seeing out there you know, they think that, you know, they think that success is something that they can grab onto outside of themselves instead of inside of themselves. They have a lot of healing that need to be done, Bill. A lot of healing.
0: Well, let's start at the beginning. Has parenting in the United States declined so drastically that we are now as a nation producing more sociopathic young people?
2: Well, there's definitely been a change in the family in the last 20 years or so. Um, some people will call it a breakdown of the family. Some people will call it a change of the family. A lot of kids, you know, they went home to no parents. They went home to parents that were using drugs, alcohol, problems. They have a lot of trauma, and a lot of that trauma has been unhealed. And as we say, hurt people hurt people. So when you don't heal that trauma, a lot of the bad can happen. And a lot of these kids are exposed to media that is promoting violence and they're playing video games and they're running away in fantasy and they're really not healing themselves. And they think that's the way.
0: I don't know if any child can heal themselves. Um, I understand the video game component, but you can make the argument that millions and millions of children play video games. They don't turn about to be sociopaths. I think the rap music industry has done tremendous damage to the inner city um, children of color by pumping into their brains that antisocial behavior is should be celebrated. Am I wrong there?
2: Well, there's something different inside the mind of a sociopath where they lack morality, they lack. Ethics in the first place. So their brains are a bit different, but we generally are seeing a trend toward a lack of empathy in our culture Due to narcissism due to media promoting Violence, you know a couple of years ago bill producers um, Approached executives at a major network and said hey, we have this great show about healing from trauma Dr. Palmer could be the host of the show. They said oh dr. Palmer would be a great host of the show, but we're featuring We're featuring crime on our network now. I don't know if that's what people want to see or they want to see it because producers are featuring it, but that's what's happening. Well, you should go back
0: because now cops and all that are gone because of the defund police, so maybe you get a second shot. Now, let's talk about the public school system. It used to be that if the parents were derelict, and millions and millions and millions of parents are in a variety of different ways, I mean, you can understand how a young child who's beaten, ignored, subject to terrible behavior by their parents, watching all this, live in chaos, they come out at six or seven years old, all right, and they're already so damaged emotionally, they don't know what to do. And as you said, hurt people, hurting inside, hurt other people. But it used to be that the public school system had an apparatus to at least try to deal with these very, very disturbed young children. That seems to have evaporated.
2: Bill, a long time ago when I was training to be a counselor, I worked in Lauderhill. I worked at Martin Luther King Boulevard at a school there, at a public school. And I can tell you, it was something like I've never seen. I went to public school, I went to parochial school, and I went to private school. But that school was chaos. There was no learning that was had there. It was just like they were trying to control the kids they were trying to parent the kids it was nuts to be honest with you and i don't know how any kid can even learn in an environment like that so they're more focused on parenting kids or trying to parent kids in those schools and they're even teaching them what they need to learn to get to the next level
0: well they're not even trying to do that
2: situation
0: yeah that's not even see look The the nationwide progressive trend is no grades and and no attendance either. Um, So they're not even trying anymore. But it used to be when I was teaching high school in Opelika, Florida, you may know that area. Don't get worse than that. okay? it used to be and it was a private school um, that a troubled kid would be red flagged. And there would be an attempt, often failed to try to bring some therapy to that child within the school day. That's gone. That doesn't even happen anymore.
2: know, well, they have a lot of interns working at the schools. As, interns. You right. know, it, it, it's a matter of money as well. And uh, a lot of the schools are overcrowded. Class sizes are big. They don't have a proper environment in a lot of these schools for kids to learn, you know, open walls and you, know, you can't learn in that kind of environment. Uh, it's look, very that's
0: exactly right. And every <laughs> test score, every study shows it. No discipline in the school, no learning in the school. Final question for you. It looks to me that this downward spiral that has led to this rise of a subculture, which is ultra violent, is not going to be turned around anytime soon. I don't see any mechanism in this country to do it. Faith-based collapsed. All right. Religion, church, collapsing. Public school system, collapsing. All right, Progressive left doesn't want to deal with it and, in fact, makes excuses for it. So I don't see how this gets any better. Can you give me some hope?
2: Honestly, neither do I, but I am developing an app that will hopefully help to change things globally by bringing more balance and peace of mind to people. And that's all that we can do for those of us who have that purpose and have that mission to just spread the word, you know, to really help people to bring wealth from within themselves. But I absolutely agree with you. A lot of people look into social media, look to become famous and not really knowing how to become successful. You know what reality really, Bill, not, not knowing the reality of what it takes to achieve success and to be truly happy from within, they're right. living in some kind of fantasy land.
0: And now they won't even isolate those people to protect most other people who are not sociopathic. Now they let them out on the streets to run wild and hurt. Hey, doctor, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks very much for helping us out. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. So I get a lot of mail saying, look, I'm fed up. I want to move out of the USA. I don't advise that, by the way. Unless you have people and established ties. Living in another country, not easy. But there's a study from Expat Insider. I never heard of. And they quiz 12,000 expats. When you're an expat, it means expatriate. You leave the country, live someplace else. Expat. And they got the five places where Americans are happiest. So they based this on quality of life, ease of settling in, working abroad, personal finance. You ready for the countries? All right. Here they are. Number one, Malaysia, and specifically the capital, Kuala Lumpur. Eighty five percent of American expats are happy over there. Wow. Now, I have been to Malaysia. It's hot. A lot of Muslims. Some of them dangerous. A lot of strife. Malaysia, third world. But it's very inexpensive. So, you can have a nice little house on the beach. You can have a cook. You can have a maid. You can have a driver. It does cost a lot. Would I live in Malaysia? No way. No way. Second, Spain, specifically Malaga, Spain, on the Costa de Sol. Spend some time in Malaga. Nice town. It's like Miami. OK, big high rises, nice beach. Not that expensive, but for Spain it is. But, you know, you can do OK there. 86% of American expats happy in Malaga, Spain. It's a nice environment. It gets hot, but the Mediterranean's right there. Three, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. 72% are happy there, Dubai. So I've been there. But I've been to Kuwait, which is just up the road, and it's hot <laughs> all the time. Hot. But Dubai is like a theme park. Now, Kuwait, you don't want to go to. But Dubai has got all these giant malls, and very wealthy. The government there controls everything. It's safe. Whatever you want in the world, you want a little caviar, there it is, whatever you want. And uh, a lot of Americans no over to Dubai. Number four, Sydney, Australia. Now, this was before the COVID lockdown. So Sydney, a good town. Very similar to America. Um, All the conveniences. People have the same mentality, Capitalism. But now the government of Australia is telling you you can't get out of the house if you do this, that, and the other thing. COVID has really changed over there. But if you're interested in Australia, not an easy place to get to, by the way. you got to buy your way in there. Um, they don't want a lot of foreigners, even if you're Americans. But Sydney, um, you're going have a nice life in Sydney. And finally, Singapore. 79% happy with life in Singapore. So I spent considerable amount of time there. It's a fascist dictatorship, no crime. Everything runs, everything works. Hot, (laughs) again, all these places are hot. Sydney, not quite like Singapore. But if you are into finance and the finer things in life, Singapore, everybody speaks English. You know, everybody speaks English, except in Malaysia and Spain. In uh, Dubai, everybody speaks English. So those are the five. The five worst for expats where they don't like it. Rome, unbelievably expensive. Milan, no reason to go there. Johannesburg, dangerous all day long. Istanbul, exotic but dangerous. And Tokyo, chaos. I've been to all of those cities. I would never, ever live in any of them. I'd visit, but not live in them. So if you're thinking about leaving the good old USA, you got to go there first for a month or two before you make any decision. you got to get a taste of it. But it would take a lot for me to leave this, this country.
2: Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Okay, so three weeks, right? Three weeks, Christmas Eve, ah, coming up fast. And this year with COVID and supply chain and inflation, and that's why we put together the BillOReilly.com Christmas store. So if you don't, Take advantage of that. You're going to spend more money than you should. And I've been over this. I'm not even going to bother telling you, but we have great stuff. Look, Killing the Mob is a fantastic Christmas gift. And so are the other nine killing books. They're all there on BillOReilly.com. You get big discounts if you're a premier concierge member. And we got Christmas ornaments, stand-up for your country. But anyway, who are you going to give stuff to? Got to make a list. Like Santa. You gotta have a list so uh, my list says christmas gifts and the names and then next to the names what i think they might like but it's not that easy you gotta think about it okay so that's number one put down in a list write it down what you might want to give the people second is christmas events parties you have to go places. You have to do stuff. You got to write it all down. All right? In a big calendar. I got to go here at this time, blah, 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 blah. Because if you don't do it, you get overwhelmed. And then the fun of Christmas is lost because you're panicking, you run around. What do I got to do? do got to be there. And you don't do it on the internet. You just do it, take a paper and a pen and write it down. I'm telling you, if you follow my advice, And don't forget the people, like I give a nice tip to my newspaper people who bring the newspapers every morning, okay? And I give tips to everybody that helps me throughout the year, don't forget those people. And you might forget them if you don't write their names down. Now they want cash mostly, workers want cash. Gift cards are okay. Uh, I like to do some personal stuff, you know, for Christmas. Sometimes it doesn't work, but most of the time it does. But if I don't know, I'll ask. I I will. I I will ask. The surprise thing is a little overrated. You'd like better get something that you like. And as far as me, I don't want anything. I have everything I need. I want people to make donations to charity. Okay. If that's what I tell all my friends. Just write a check to independencefund.org or whatever. Big brothers, big sisters—we got a million of them, and they're listed on BillO'Reilly.com. So I hope this helps. Next three weeks, a great season. Enjoy it. Have a good weekend. Column on Sunday. We'll be checking in every day with a message of the day. Thanks for watching.